Arizona Sports is proud to present the Uprising Podcast. Uprising Podcast. Hello and welcome into the Uprising Podcast, a podcast about Phoenix Rising Football Club. I am your host, Jake Anderson. Today my guest is Phoenix Rising's Corey Whelan. Now, usually I would give my guest a proper title, which in this case would be a player's position, but you see, it's not quite that simple. With Whelan, he's been playing all over the back line and even playing some holding or defensive midfield roles since his Liverpool days. And since coming to Phoenix in August of last year, we've seen Corey's versatility being utilized by manager Rick Schantz, and no more so than this season, as we've seen Corey play both right center back and right back. So, without further ado, let me bring on Phoenix Rising's Corey Whelan. Corey, how are you, man? How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks. You uh, you guys get done with training today? Uh, yeah, we've just got done. Yeah, um, I've gotten I've been home like an hour or so. We we trained um today and stuff. So yeah, we just got done with training. So just chilling now, really. How you liking the weather now? Um. I've got a little bit used to it, to be honest. It's got uh, better, obviously, as the, the months have, have gone on and I've adapted to it. Last year, when I first come out here, I really struggled with it, to be fair. I don't think I ever got to grips with the, the heat and stuff. And I come in August, which was a, a really hot month. So, But now I feel like my body's adjusted to it and hopefully in the next month or so, it'll get a little slightly cooler for us. But yeah, the summer this year has been brutal, to be honest. It's been hard. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember when you came over last year in the beginning, it was a little rough. And then um, obviously this last summer that just happened was the hottest in the history of Arizona. Mm-hmm. So you got the full brunt of it. Um, yeah. Rick yesterday was, was joking how Sam uh, was actually standing outside when it was raining a couple weeks back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you, both, do you miss the rain at all? Uh, you know what? It's funny because when I'm, when I'm in England, all I do is complain that it's raining. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I'd love to be in the sunshine and, and then you get out to a really hot, sunny place and you you do miss it. It's strange the things you do miss, but I never thought I'd sit here and say I miss the rain, but I do, yeah, a little bit. I've uh, I've been to England specifically. I've been to Liverpool and Manchester during March, yeah. which would have been the closest to the cold months. Which um, one did the- you enjoy? Which one did you enjoy better out of the two? Well, I didn't get to spend as much time in Liverpool as I would have liked. I, I, oh, I sp- really? I, I spent more time in Manchester. So my friends were studying abroad there, so yeah. that's where I kind of got the scenic view. We went to Liverpool for a match. Um, yeah, yeah. But it was it was drizzling, and just being from here, being raised here, I was freezing. Yeah, freezing. I can imagine. Yeah, it's a it's a temperature it's a temperature change for me, especially when I go back home, like in the off season and stuff as well. Like I feel like. When I lived in England for a long time, the weather was just the weather and you kind of was cold, but you'd been used to it all your life. And then when I go back now, it definitely hits me harder when I'm home, the cold weather. I feel like extra cold when I go back. So let me ask you, from a a player's perspective, when you're playing against um, opponents who, I don't know, let's just say you're playing against Portland or Tacoma, you know, guys that aren't going to be used to playing in 115 degree heat, I mean, I can see the advantage you guys have at home from where I sit, but on the field, what do you what notices or what differences do you notice? Um, I think that you know, obviously, playing at home and stuff is an advantage in itself because you know we we're used to our pitch and you know we we use the spacing on the pitch very well. 
obviously when we were able to have fans and we were obviously fortunate enough to have fans there on Friday, I think that helps. But in terms of the weather, I think it's a, it is an advantage because like you say, if you play in a, you know, you train your body every day to play in a climate which isn't 110 degree heat. When you'd go into it, I find that teams for the first 20 minutes or so, they're okay. They feel the way into it. But, you know, if you haven't trained in it on a day-to-day basis and you don't play games in it or you don't play your home games in it at least, I think by 60 minutes, it takes a toll on teams. And I think they really start to, you know, after an hour of playing and there's only 30 minutes left of the game, I think we're just peaking at that point. I think we're getting to a point where we're kicking on and they're almost getting to a point where they're dying down. And I think that's a transition that we catch most teams in later on in games. I mean, we start games fast as well, don't get me wrong, but if teams can stay in the game against us for 60 minutes, we know that we're going to have an advantage come the last 30. So, you know, we use that to our advantage at home especially. So you guys, when you train, you guys are usually done by about 11 o'clock-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, before you got to Phoenix Rising, what time of day did you usually train at? Um, when I was at Liverpool, we trained at all different times, to be honest. Um, depending on whether you were the first team or the 23s, it was, you know, we could be training at night time. We could train at five in the evening, trained at two in the, uh, in the afternoon. We usually was in the prime time for us was there. We were in at nine o'clock and we'd start at 10.30. So we'd be done for maybe midday, 12.30, then we'd be in the gym in the afternoon. So the times varied really. It, was, it wasn't really a set schedule at Liverpool. It was kind of, we ran on the same time as the first team did. So whether they were preparing for a night match, they'd train later in the evening during the week. So yeah, we were training at all different times really. What do you prefer? Do you prefer to have... Uh, sporadic schedule or do you prefer to have it be consistent every day um it's a difficult one I think I enjoy you know I enjoy structure and routine so if I if you asked me I'd probably prefer to be at the same time every day just so I know what I'm doing with my day and you know when you're in at different times you know if you're in at five in the evening it kind of it kind of does kill your day a little bit because you can't do much with it because you know whatever you do you've still got to go and train and do your gym and whatnot at the club so um, yeah, me personally, I prefer to go in in the morning and, you know, you feel good about yourself the rest of the day. Then once you've been and trained and stuff, it's like going for a workout in the gym, I suppose. It's, you know, once you've done it and got it out of the way and you've enjoyed yourself and you go home, it's time to relax then and you feel better about yourself in that, in that sense. So definitely for me, I prefer to have a, a routine and a structure. So uh, one thing I wanted to ask before we got into the onto the field stuff was, do you have any family here with you in Arizona? No, I don't. Um, I don't have any family. here. Obviously, with the year it, it's been and stuff, it's been a really yeah. difficult year in terms of obviously travel. And I was hoping to get family and friends out here at some point, but it didn't just work out. So, yeah, I had my missus here for obviously 90 days on an Esther visa, and then she had to go back home. So... It was nice to have her around for, you know, best part of three months. That helped, especially during the quarantine time. I think if it had been on me on my own, I'd have been driving myself insane. So, yeah, it was nice to have her out for a little bit. And, yeah, that's the only real, real person from back home I've had come out this year. So, it's been tough in that respect. You know, it's been a long year and I'm excited to see family again. I'm not going to lie. Are you going to be heading back over to England when the season's over? Yeah, I'm heading straight back, yeah. Um, Obviously, with it being, 
you know, a, a weird year and, you, you you know, you're limited on things you can do. There's no point in me traveling around in America to see different places because it's not going to be that it's not going to be the same anyway. So, yeah, I'm just going to get on a flight back home, obviously finish the season out and hopefully, you know, we'll have a medal to go with it. But yeah, and then I'm just going to go back home and see family and enjoy time with them because I've, I've missed out on it this year. So I'm looking forward to go back. Was this your first time in America, or is this your first time playing professionally in the United States? It's my first time playing professionally in the United States. I've been to America before. I come here on a end of season tour with Liverpool. We actually was in Sacramento when we came come over here. Um, but yeah, it's you know it's the first time I've I've played out here, obviously for uh, an American team, and it's the first time I've obviously lived here. I come for a short stint, like I said, with Liverpool a couple of years ago, but. Yeah, that's all, really. That's a, the two times I've been to America. I kind of feel bad, man. You, uh, you kind of got unlucky in terms of the timing and of everything because you came in in August of last year. Fast forward a year, you've had half of it taken away from you because of the coronavirus in terms of playing football, but also, as you mentioned, you know, enjoying the country itself and getting to see things. You won't be able to do those things. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do uh, – I do apologize for that. It's uh, it's very unlucky, but yeah. the good part is, is you're a phenomenal footballer, especially for Phoenix Rising and in Rick Schantz's eyes. Um, in fact, I asked him yesterday if he had the perfect starting eleven, where would he want you to play? And I, he honestly couldn't give me an answer because he couldn't decide between five positions. So yeah. let me ask you, <laughs> where would you prefer to play if you could play any position you wanted, or where do you feel uh... most comfortable playing? I should say. I got asked this question in an interview last week, funny enough, and it's something that gets brought up quite a bit. And it's hard. It's it's a really difficult question, and it should be easy, I feel like, especially because, you know, I should know where I feel most comfortable. But honestly, the two that I've been playing of late, they don't seem too dissimilar to me. I know they, they you know, they entail different things. You know, as a fullback, you've got to get up and down the pitch. You've got to be physically fit for 90 minutes. Um, at centre-back, you still do running, but it's different running. Um, you know, fullback, you probably see probably more of the ball in attacking areas, which is nice, which I enjoy. Um, centre back, you know, you 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 start attacks, you're in build up play a lot. So to put to put my finger on one position is hard, but I feel like, especially like I was speaking again to uh, actually a part of my family the other day about this, and they said it's just strange how you're at the age of 22 and you still don't know what your best position is. And I was like, I think about it a lot. And, you know, it's something that plays on my mind because it was the same at Liverpool. I played, you know, right back, left back, left centre back, right centre back, played holding mid, like centre defensive midfield a few times. And people were like, you do just bounce around quite a bit. And I was like, yeah, it feels that way. But I do honestly feel comfortable wherever I play. So, yeah, it's something that obviously is nice to have because, you know, it means that you're versatile and you can be trusted in a number of positions and you're not just stuck on, a piece of paper and people are like, well, he can only play there. So it's nice to have it. Honestly, it's hard to answer. If I was going to answer, I'd probably say as a right centre-back. But I enjoy right-back equally as much. And I've enjoyed playing there the last couple of weeks. And if it's something that they want me to continue to do, then, you know, I'm going to enjoy that challenge. Yeah, I don't think being able to play so many positions is a bad thing at all. I think, if anything, no. it it just brings your versatility and you know, the, the best uh, ability is your availability. And the fact that you can play so many different positions means you'll be on the pitch. I mean, you're leading the team in minutes played. 
Um, last I checked, you were still leading the team in passes completed as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it looks like with the announcement today of the signing of Damian Lowe, who looks like he's going to be playing center back or at least competing to mm-hmm. you, from what, you know, what you're allowed to tell me going forward, it looks like you might be the starting right back. Are you, are you looking forward to, I don't really want to call it a challenge because you've done it before, but are you looking forward mm-hmm. to playing right back for maybe the rest of the season instead of playing center back? Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, I've always said, and I'm a strong believer in, you know, there's lads that don't get on the pitch every Saturday. And, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be one of the starters in the 11, then, you know, wherever you're told to play, that's on that one given night, that's your, you know, that's your challenge for the for the evening. And, you know, you've got to, you know, grab that with two hands and you've got to be positive and open-minded about it. And I've always said, you know, wherever the, the manager wants me to play, I'll be willing to play there. And, you know, right back, like you say, is something I've done before. So it's not too, you know, it's not unnatural for me to play there or anything like that. So, yeah, I've been, listen, I've enjoyed the last two weeks and the games I've played there. Is there things to improve upon? Of course, there always is. You know, you analyse the game afterwards and feel like, you know, you could have maybe crossed here or passed, passed there. But, yeah, overall, I've been really pleased with how I've done when I've, you know, when I've gone there. And I just want to continue that, like you say, till the end of the season. So something Rick's talked about a lot is the relationship between the fullbacks and the wingers. He has talked a lot about Junior's relationship with Darnell on the left. We've seen Darnell get a goal because um, he likes to cut inside when he's playing on that left back spot. Yeah. The last two matches on the right, you've gotten to play behind not only Solo, but now Santi. Can you mm-hmm. tell me what it's like to play behind those guys and maybe what they differ? Um, both unbelievable footballers, you know, Solo, it speaks for itself. We don't, you know, I don't have to go into too much depth. You know, he's been at the club a long time, and the fans and stuff know what he's about. He's an unbelievable, got unbelievable talent. You know, he's he's got a he's got a great knowledge of you know like when when to cross from different areas, and he crosses from deep, and then he'll get to the byline and cross. So for a fullback, I can only imagine playing against him that he's so unpredictable that it's really difficult to mark and. Yeah, so Solo likes to, you know, come inside and play in that pocket, which gives me license to get forward and, you know, maybe get beyond him. And even if he doesn't use me, it's kind of a decoy for him to be like, well, if the defender wants to go with you, I'll just cross from here. And I think in the second half at Vegas, that worked well in the first game when we played them on the road. And Santi, again, I thought Santi was, you know, I thought Santi was unbelievable the other night. I feel like it was, you know, he was an unsung hero because maybe he didn't get on the score sheet. But I feel like, you know, he worked hard for the team. And, you know, Santi this year at times, you know, it's been difficult for him with the sending off he got at OC. And, but he's, you know, he's a positive guy and he doesn't let things like that get him down. And the performance the other night just shows how much ability Santi has actually got. And it was, it was great playing behind him. I really enjoyed it. You know, he, he helps you in defensive actions. He, you know, he's quick on, you know, on the turn. He gets up the pitch to support play. You know, he links up. He looks to play one-twos with you. He looks to find you as well. And, yeah, I really enjoyed it the other night. And like I say, I thought Santi was one of the standout performers in my eyes on, on, on Friday evening. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. agree with you in the sense that I think Santi's had an unlucky year. That's the word I've been using. Just with the sending off, he got hurt right before the first match in March, so we couldn't play in that one. And then you have the break. Yeah. So it's good to see him get on the pitch, get some minutes, and, and to play well. And you know, like yeah. you said, he, he didn't get on the score sheet, but he was definitely involved after he had the assist with Rufat. 
Um, what I want to ask, though, is with uh, Damian Lowe now coming in, competing for the center back spot, what can you tell me seeing him in the last couple of days of training just because you know, I've, I've never seen him play before? Um, yeah, you know, obviously he's been – I think he got – I'm not too sure on his career path. I haven't really read or, you know, asked much about it to him personally. I, you know, I haven't been able to sit and have a chat with him yet because – it's been, you know, he's only been at the club two days and probably getting to know people and whatnot. But, you know, in training, he's, he's a defender. He competes. He's, you know, he looks like a winner to me. He's aggressive. He's quick. He's strong. He's also a good passer of the ball. So, and obviously, he's, you know, he, he's, he's um, represented in his country at an international level. So, you know, that speaks volumes in itself. And, you know, he's been in Europe and played. And, yeah, obviously, he's got some some experience as well which is nice and it adds to you know what we've already got which is you know other good players as well so you know competition is great in football it's something that you always need and it and it pushes everybody each day to do better and with a you know with a new guy coming in it's it that's all it does is add to that and it helps you know push the likes of AJ and you know Joey Farrell and it pushes them to to want to do better and you know and if they're competing for a place of a Saturday then that's what it's all about that's where you play the game you you want to be in the eleven, and if you're not, you're going to try and do do things in training and do things yourself to get into the eleven. So I think it's really good, and it's brought it's a breath of fresh air, you know. And like I say, just adds to the competition we've already got. Well, I was about to say as Rick's first choice centre back, but obviously you haven't been playing centre back. But I, I still think we can call you Rick's first choice centre back. What would you give an incoming centre back? What advice would you give him as a potential center back in Rick Schantz's system. Um, you know, I think an, a center back for Phoenix Rising has got to be not only comfortable on the ball, but they've got to feel comfortable in defending as well. I feel like you know we're such an we're such an offensive team, and we love to play on. You know, we love to play in transitional moments, and you know, there's moments in the game, and that's football in itself. You know, it's a modern day game where that you you know the ball's going to get turned over and. You know, you've got to be able to defend in uncomfortable situations, which, you know, and you've got to be able to feel comfortable in uncomfortable situations, if that makes sense. So, you know, 2v1s, 3v2s, you've got to be able to, you know, follow runners. You've got to be able to defend 1v1 in wide areas if you get dragged there. And, that yeah, you, that's, that's pretty much And you've got to be on the front foot as well. You know, we're a pressing team, so there's no point in the midfielders, wingers and forwards pressing if the defence don't want to do it as well. So. You've got to be on the front foot. You've got to be willing to, you know, almost go forward. He tells us all the time to, to go forward. Don't worry about what's behind you. And, um, yeah, that's, you know, as a centre-back, that's the things you've got to instill into your game. And it was nice for me because Liverpool play a similar way. So, it was something that I was kind of used to already. And it didn't feel like the transition was that hard. But, obviously, you're doing it at 110-degree heat, which does make it a little bit harder. But, um, yeah, other than that, that's what I'd say really is just be, you know, front foot, aggressive, be comfortable on the ball and build up and yeah, and then, you know, you'll be fine in, in them moments. And, you know, like I said, obviously Damon's not been with us for that long, but again, he looks like he's aggressive and all the things that Phoenix Rising look for in a, in a, in a defender. So, yeah, I'm sure he'll be fine. So looking ahead to San Diego this weekend, the last time you guys played, you won 2-0, but you were... Uh, playing center back, mm-hmm. they've added a lot more firepower in that time. What differences, what changes do you expect to see from Landon Donovan's side when you guys play on Saturday? 
Um, obviously, the the standout thing is obviously they're on a run of form at the minute. You know, they're not they're not conceding too many goals, and you know they think they've got two draws. I, I think two wins and a draw in the last three games, and so you know they're coming on a bit of a high. But you know, you, people know and teams know that you can be on such a high, but when you come to Phoenix, it's a lot different. And you know that you know Phoenix when we play at home, we feel comfortable. We feel like, you know, we should win the game no matter whoever we're playing. You know, that's not given. That's not a given, by the way. Football's a strange game and things can happen on any given night. But that's the feeling we get as players is that this is our, you know, this is our stadium and, you know, you're going to have to fight to come into it to take anything away from us. And yeah, but, you know, San Diego, they'll, they'll come and compete. Obviously, you've said that they've added a few things, a few strings to their bow in terms of like attacking players, which has seemed to work for them. So, you know, we've just got to be ready come Saturday night for for not only a fight and a challenge, but we've got to, I think, do what we did to them last time. And it's ultimately, we passed them off the pitch for a majority of the game last time. And we obviously got a clean sheet and was resilient in our defending. So I think anything close to what we performed as last time, I think we'll take three points. Yeah, as you guys are closing up the season here, you got four matches remaining. Three of them are at home. And then two of them are actually... Uh, Excuse me. Two of the four are against uh, San Diego, so it's going to be just kind of like Vegas when you guys are playing the same team in quick succession. Um, what was that like playing Vegas so many times, and then how will you guys use that in your approach to San Diego? Um, yeah, it's obviously something you don't come across often. Obviously, with the, the year we've had and stuff, and the pandemic, and trying to you know get formats in terms of groups and divisions and stuff. I think it was difficult and obviously playing the same team three times is not ideal because, you know, you learn so much about each other in one game and you can take that into the next game and try and figure out ways to... But again, it's the same for both teams. You know, it's at the end of the day, it's a 90-minute game of football and that's it. There's, you know, it's two goals and grass and a ball and it's the same for both teams. There's no advantage or, or disadvantage because what we, they see on the video is what we'll see, their weaknesses and strengths as well. But... um. Yeah, I just think that it was slightly weird because obviously you come up against the same players and you're like, it's almost like a well, hello again, you know what I mean? Like, we're here again and for the third time in five weeks. And yeah, it can become a little bit strange, I suppose. But at the end of the day, you're out there to get three points and that's all that matters, no matter who you're playing against. Because the end goal is to, you know, firstly make the playoffs in a strong position, which gives us home advantage. And then secondly is to win a championship. And you know, you're going to have to beat a lot of the good teams in the, you know, in the division and stuff to, to get where we want to go. So, you know, the group games are important from now to the end of the season. Obviously, it helps being three games at home, two against San Diego, as you explained, out of the four. So, yeah, we'll just do, you know, we'll do what we always do week in, week out. We'll study the team. We'll see their strengths and weaknesses. And, yeah, we'll look to go off a game plan and get the three points come Saturday. So, I know you guys are all about you know one game at a time one match at a time but the next four games are all against the second third fourth place teams in your group who are all fighting for that last playoff spot mm -hmm. and have you guys looked at this next patch of games as I don't want to say a playoff preview but it's not like you're playing teams that you can just show up and and expect to get three points from you know these are these are teams mm -hmm. you know OC's taking points from you guys so yeah. Are you viewing these next four games as kind of like this is how we need to get ready? These are tune-ups more so 
um, as you yeah. guys approach for the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, I think I'd agree with that. I think that's correct. I think, you know, we're playing teams now that, you know, are in and around us. Obviously, we've pushed on a little bit away from the pack, but, you know, we're never we're not naive enough to not look behind at other results and how teams are doing. Obviously, CLA pick up points last night against Vegas from they were getting beat 2-0 and, you know, that would have helped us, of course, but, you know, like I say, LA are fighting for their lives and they want to be in a playoff position because I feel like LA as a team have had a good year. They've probably surprised a couple of people along the way as well. Um, and San Diego are obviously a new outfit. They're just getting to know and then they're coming up strong come the end of the season, which I think we all expected. And like you say, OC, a competitive team that, you know, defend well, don't leap many goals. And, you know, they, they took points of us this year, ultimately. And that was something we've, we've got to learn from coming into the next four games is that there's no given that the three points are going to be there for you every Saturday. You've got to go and earn the right to play and you've got to, you know, compete and challenge for three points. And it's not going to be easy. We know that starting Saturday, you know, three points on Saturday will be massive. Will it mean we'll definitely make the playoffs? Maybe, but, you know, Phoenix aren't a team that look to win one out of four games just to nick some playoffs. We want to win all four games and send a statement out to the league to say going into playoffs, we've, we've hit the ground running. Yeah, it's, it's almost as if you guys are actually, in terms of the other team's eyes, your opponent's eyes, they're in the playoffs now trying to fight. You're going to get team's best efforts, the highest you know, disparity effort, which can, can muster some performances. Um, but as you said, talking about wanting to win all four games, that's something that Rick said word for word yesterday. I, again, I know you guys are one game at a time, but do any of you guys look at the other teams and other groups as it pertains to you know, being the number one seed in all of the Western Conference and potentially if you do make the final? Um, yeah, you know, like, it's difficult because, like, you know, to win the whole thing, you've got to put yourself against the best. And when people you know, play Phoenix, I feel like, you know, there's a point to prove always. And we get that feeling as players. We feel like it's most teams in the league's cup final to play against us and beat us, especially when they come to Phoenix. Because it's a place where not many people over the past 18 months have picked points up there. So, you know, it's not a place to go. And it can sometimes even intimidate teams to be like, well, Phoenix, we're playing them away. And, you know, that's just one of the tougher places to go in the league and, and things like that. So, you know, we want to send out a message and we want to get the most points out of everybody in the Western Conference because we want to obviously have home advantage and we want to send a message out to anybody that would play in the playoffs to say, listen, we are still the best team in this league. And, you know, last year it was disappointing for everybody involved when we come up short. And I think that's, you know, spurred a lot of the lads on that, you know, we want to go one step further this year and we want to go all the way to the championship final and, you know, ultimately win it. And after a difficult year, I think that'll be nice for the club and nice for everybody involved if we're able to do that. So I'll, I'll wrap things up with this. I think you're the perfect person to ask because obviously coming over from England, you grew up in a, a league system where there weren't playoffs like you have here in the United States. So last year, um, I, the consensus from a lot of people, including myself, I was with Rick in the fact that you guys were so dominant over a 34-game schedule, and then the playoffs obviously are you know one-offs in which you can actually not even score a goal. You win in yeah. pens, nil-nil, you can lift a trophy. So this season obviously is completely different. It's almost as if it's a giant tournament. I know you guys are very um, – you, know, you have owned the asterisk as, as the, uh, mm -hmm. the hashtag. 
And obviously you guys want to win every single match you played, but this season as a whole, I mean, what is the, 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 the mindset around this season, just because it's literally, it's going to have that asterisk. It's going to be such a unique season when we look back in history. How will you look back on it? Um, win or lose, how will you look back on the 2020 year of your footballing career? Um, I'll, look, I'll look back on it. It will sure not be a year I won't forget. I'll tell you that. I won't, I won't ever forget the year, like you say, win or lose. But it will be nice to look back on a year that's been so difficult worldwide for, you know, not only footballers, but for human beings in general. You know, you have people losing their jobs and you have people, you know, homeless and, you know, financial issues and people obviously hospitalised and, you know, beyond that and actually people passing away. And it's been, you know, it's been such a strange year with everything that's gone on in terms of, you know, I won't go into it too much, but, you know, the, you know, the protests and stuff like that. It's been a year that, you know, is is you know ultimately like it's ruined a lot of people's lives and it's you know it's it's not nice to see but you know we have an opportunity as footballers to you know bring smile back to people's faces and you know that's a nice thing that we have and we want to use that and we want to you know that we want to almost use that as a motivation to say you know we've been here we've you know we've struggled not playing for months and we've been in the apartments and had to do zoom calls to you know and work out on zoom and whatever and so to get to this point in the season now with four games left of the regular season going into playoffs, we've just got to treat each game as it comes. And I think we're, we're, best, we're the better team when we do that. I think that to start looking into playoff semifinals and stuff now is, you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be right of us to do. And I don't think we do that as a team. We, te- we take each game as it comes and we make sure we're ready to go. And I feel like going into playoffs, we need to hit a peak where, you know, we're playing at, at our best. And I feel like if, you know, if we play at our best, I feel like there's not many teams in the league that compete with us. So, yeah, you know, I'll look back. I've learned a lot about myself in the past year um, in terms of, you know, being alone and trying to find ways and different things to keep you occupied, you know, whether that's, you know, reading or something you've never done in your life or could never imagine yourself doing ever. And, you know, you've, I've learned a lot about myself, not only as a footballer, what a human being as well so I'll look back on the 2020 year and I'll try and make it as positive as possible because that's what I try to do with everything in my life and you know obviously your your life isn't always going to be sunshine and good things come to you and there's going to be you know tough moments as well which I feel like every player and you know member of staff has had this year at the club and that's obviously speaking for the the wider public and everybody out there in the world so you've got to take positives from it but yeah I'll look back and hopefully in the end of it all, I can at least hold my head high and say that, you know, I give it my all and I worked hard. And, you know, if, if we win it, then, you know, that would be an amazing thing for the club and a, an amazing thing for everybody involved. So that's the aim going forward. You know, we're going to make our goal to win it. And that's what we want to do this year. Well, Corey, I appreciate you letting me be one of those Zoom calls. Um, I, I know these... Uh, this has been a you know, completely different year for you guys as well, not having to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, usually we're at training and, and it's just, it's right after yeah. you guys. So I do appreciate you taking the time out of your day oh, no, my you know, once you get home. So yeah, my um, pleasure anytime. So again, thank you very much. I would love to bring you back on um, anytime. Mm-hmm. Again, good yeah. luck on Saturday against San Diego. I will see you, you from a distance with my mask on. Yeah. Thank you, mate. I appreciate it. No problem, Corey. Thank you. Have a good one. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Uprising Podcast. 
Phoenix Rising's next match is Saturday against Landon Donovan led side San Diego Loyal SC, and once again in front of fewer than 1,000 fans at Casino Arizona Field. Kickoff is set for 7.30 p.m., and you can catch all the action via audio stream on ArizonaSports.com and the new Arizona Sports app. And now with Las Vegas being officially eliminated from postseason contention, the focus is going to turn to the remainder of Group B, which coincidentally is all who Phoenix Rising has left on their schedule. The club's next four matches are at home against third place San Diego, at home against fourth place Orange County, away to San Diego, and then the season finale at home to second place LA Galaxy 2. Phoenix could potentially clinch a playoff spot this weekend as the club tries to keep pace with the likes of Reno and San Antonio for home field advantage in the Western Conference playoffs and perhaps even the USL Championship final. For all things Phoenix Rising, be sure to head over to ArizonaSports.com, download the new Arizona Sports app, you can also follow me on Twitter at JWA1994. Until next time, chibidiamo, adopo.